Okay. Some of you know that I enjoy playing golf. Oh, you just figure that out, all right? Okay, when, when I have a good round of golf, I walk seven kilometers. That's pretty good. When I have a bad round of golf, I walk about 11 or 12 kilometers. And um, I've been doing a lot of extra walking over the last month. But I'm in the top 24% of registered golfers in New Zealand. What would it take for me to get back into being in the top 10% of golfers? And I know some of you are thinking a miracle. <laughs> but apart from that, what, what would it take? Well, it would take a lot of hard work. <clears throat> I would get some coaching to improve my consistency. I'd probably need to play twice a week. I need to practice for another couple of hours a week. I'd probably need to improve my strength and fitness because I'm not as strong and fit as I was 30 years ago. And, you know, all those things, I'm just not that keen. I've got, I've got better things to do with my time. So I'm, I'm content not to expend all that extra effort. I heard an interview with Lydia Coe a few years ago. Uh, she is the best 17-year-old golfer that's ever been, and she's the youngest world number one-ranked one golfer, both men and women. Absolutely amazing. They were talking about the cost of her getting to where, where she got to, and she said, you know, I've never, ever been to any of my friends' birthday parties. And when asked why, she said, because... After school, every week, she would put in 35 hours of practice after school. And she never had time for anything else but golf. That's dedication. That's determination. That's discipline. And that's how you give yourself the opportunity to succeed. So no wonder she just worked so, 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 so hard to get to where she was. The process to achievement is always starts with desire, it's followed up with discipline before we get to delight. And it takes dedication and determination to do that. Uh, unlike my golf, most of us here want to go up to another level in our relationship with God. Wouldn't that be true? Uh, we want to grow closer to God. We, we want to hear God more clearly. We want to sense God's presence more often. We want to experience His chain-baking power being released in and through us on a more regular basis. Uh, we want to have an increased anointing in our lives. We want to be more fruitful. Uh, in our church, we want to see more people getting saved. We want to see the amazing miracles of healing that we've seen in recent years, to be the norm rather than the exception. The question is, how do we grow and how do we go to another level in our Christian life? Because it's not just going to happen by chance. It's going to take dedication and it's going to take determination and it's going to take discipline in our Christian walk. 
the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Do you know, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like somebody running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The Bible lists many uh, disciplines that should be part of our Christian walk. And as Pastor Tark mentioned last week, uh, from Matthew chapter 6, Jesus mentions three of them. And those, along with reading and meditating on God's Word, I'd put really at the top of the list of things that we should be doing if we're going to be growing in God. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 3, when you give. In Matthew 6, 6, when you pray. In Matthew 6, 17, when you fast. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. Not if, but when. Because giving, praying, and fasting should be part of of our regular Christian life. And I think fasting is a forgotten discipline in the church. Fasting takes prayer to another level. And as Tark said, the Western church, in its attempt to make Christianity so attractive, you know, come to God uh, so that you will get, so that your life will be better, so that you will receive. When we go down that line all the time, Uh, We remove the disciplines that really require sacrifice. Instead of come to God, because if you don't, you're going to spend a godless eternity in hell for one reason. Come to God because that's what you're created for. And it's not just for what we can get. But you can't have a relationship with God without prayer and without Sacrifice. There are a number of things that uh, Jesus did in his life on earth which were basically prophetic symbols for us to take on board for our lives. The Bible tells us that whereas in the olden times there was a temple where God dwelt, now it says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God doesn't dwell in aimless buildings, but he dwells with us. So when you sense the presence of God in this place, it's because we are here, and we bring God's presence with us. But when Jesus deals with the temple in the Gospels, it's a picture of how he wants to deal in our lives. For instance, Matthew chapter 21 and verse 12, it says, Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And when Jesus first comes into our lives, he wants us to become purified. He wants to chuck out all that stuff which is contrary to his plans and his purposes. And he wants us to grow in the things that he has for us. And then he declares, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. 
the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? That prophetic declaration and progression in this passage we see starts off with purity, moves through to prayer, then the release of power, and then praise. And that's exactly what God wants to see in our lives. As a temple of the Holy Spirit, he's declared that we are created to be a house of prayer, constantly connected to the Father. We were made, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, we were made for a relationship with God. That's why you were created. You were created to know him. In life, Jesus set an example for us and his disciples. He was always praying so that he would be always doing what the Heavenly Father wanted him to do. In fact, he said, I only do what the Heavenly Father wants me to do. Is there anyone here who has only ever done what the Heavenly Father wants you to do? No. Um, no, not sitting here, there isn't anyone. <laughs> he wants us to have that connection to the Father so that we will know what the Father wants us to do in every situation and circumstances. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was always praying. Uh, Mark 1 verse 32, it says that that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning... While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. As I look around this morning, I can see lots of guys who would get up early in the morning and go out fishing. Hey, Dennis and Alan and Don and Tim and a few others. We get up early and we go fishing. We don't think anything of it. But Jesus made a habit of getting up early in the morning, no matter what had been going on the night before, and praying. You see, he had established that discipline of prayer and connection with the Father early in his life. Even though the whole city was at his door, even though he had spent the evening healing sick, casting out demons, he still got up early and prayed. Right at the beginning of his ministry, he had established that habit of prayer so that he was connected to his father. And we see that this is what he did all the way through. If you read through the Gospels, you'll find uh, not only at the beginning of his ministry, but in the middle of his ministry. And at the end, he was praying. Luke twenty-two thirty-nine. 39, Jesus went out as usual. He went out as usual. When he goes to the Mount of Olives, uh, the night that he's arrested, it's not because he thought, oh, I better pray because there's some stuff happening in my life and going to happen. No, he went out as usual to that place. Obviously, it was a solitary place where he could get alone with his father. And he said, on reaching that place, he said to his disciples, pray that you won't fall into temptation. You see, 
Jesus was a man of prayer. He wanted to pray and he needed to pray to stay connected to the Father. And so do we. Uh, Even when Jesus is dying on the cross for our sins, he's praying. He's saying, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And today, right now, this morning, what's Jesus doing? says in Hebrews 7.25, Therefore, he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he is always lives to intercede for them. Well, we're here this morning. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, standing in the gap for us, making intercession for us. He's praying for you and for me, our, our highest calling isn't just to preach. It's not just to be a great prophet or a great evangelist. or It's not just to be a great giver or to be a great scientist or a great teacher or a great lawyer or a great mum and dad. That's not your highest calling. If you want to become anything in God, then first become a person of prayer. Because that is how we get to know God. And it's out of that relationship with God that everything else will follow. If we want to see the power of God in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our city, the gateway is prayer. A preacher once asked Dr. Yongi Cho, who was the pastor of the largest church in the world back in the... 80s and 90s. He was asked how he built the world's largest church. And Cho, who's Korean, said, Simple, he said, I pray and I obey. I pray and I obey. In fact, I remember listening to Dr. Cho in Auckland at a seminar he gave, and uh, he said, you know, the busier I get, the more time I have to spend in prayer. So I know what the Father wants me to do. And that's a great model for us. Dr. James Dobson, whose books on parenting many of you have read, and many of you should read, uh, uh, attributes the foundation of his success to a praying great-grandfather who set aside one hour a day to pray for his kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. What a great gift to the next generation. Gift of prayer. Gift of prayer. And older people. Uh, I remember my, my wife saying to me, said, if you're still alive, <laughs> when I'm decrepit and... On a machine, she said, don't turn the machine off as long as I can pray. Because she knows the power of prayer. And you can make a difference in any situation that you find yourself in as long as you can pray. It's out of our prayer relationship with God that the abundant life that Jesus came and died to give us is released And God's plans and purposes for our lives begin to be fulfilled. It comes out of prayer. Uh, When we receive the prophetic, 
It's by persevering prayer that we break through to see that prophetic fulfilled. And sometimes we need to break through because there is opposition. You remember Daniel prayed for 21 days about a situation that was happening in his nation. Uh, When he finally got the answer from the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord said, hey, God heard you the very first day you prayed. But there was a battle in the heavenlies and it's taken us this long to break through. And it's our prayers that cause that breakthrough, that initiate that breakthrough. And that's sometimes why we need to pray and pray and pray because the enemy's against us and we need to break through in situations and circumstances, not because God doesn't hear us. Okay. We take hold of the future by building our prayer relationship with the one who holds the future in his hands. Because God answers prayer and he wants to bless and he's for us, not against us. He says, call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. Prayer to the spirit of man is like air to our bodies. We can't live without it. We were singing that song. It's the air that I breathe. If we had time, I'd get people to hold their breath and see how long you could hold your breath for. Alan, how how long can you hold your breath for? Three minutes. Okay, so Alan's a diver. Not now. (laughs) Yeah, He's a diver, and so he's trained himself to be able to hold his breath. And I don't think I would last more than a minute and a half. But the reality is our bodies need air. Our bodies need oxygen if we're going to live. The same is true in the spirit. Our spirit man will die without prayer, without regular prayer. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it's our prayer which is the foundation of our relationship with God. That's how we relate to God. Couples and marriages for drift apart if they're not doing things together regularly. And the same will be true with your relationship with God. You've got to be connecting with Him regularly. Fasting is one of those disciplines that adds power to prayer. And it's not just an Old Testament phenomenon. The disciples in the early church fasted on numerous occasions. Acts 13 verse 2 says, While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So the first great missionary journey started as a result of prayer and fasting. Wow. You know, it's so exciting when you break through in prayer and prayer and fasting. Uh, when you do, it, it is just so dynamic and so powerful and so up, uplifting. So what happens when you fast? When we fast and pray, apart from losing weight, Um, we humble ourselves. Okay, Isaiah 58 verse 3 tells us that 
Fasting humbles us. Uh, we are so tuned into the physical and our five senses that when we fast, we are humbled. And God says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sins. So fasting humbles us. Blessing and grace come to the humble. When we do without food to spend time with God, it demonstrates to God that we mean business. Fasting creates a hunger in our soul for God. Proverbs 27 verse 7 says, He who is full loathes honey. I won't ask for a show of hands for everybody here who has had a time where they've just pigged out on food. You've just eaten and eaten. You know, I can see those little hands going up already. You've just eaten and eaten and eaten. I remember, I remember a um, missions trip to the Cook Islands one time, and the, the Cook Islanders fed us with the Cook Island honey. And, I mean, it was absolutely amazing. There was, there was a, a pig on a spit, and there was just so much. And I remember eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. And afterwards, we went back to our motel, and um, Penny said, do you want some ice cream? <laughs> I was so full. It didn't matter what she offered me, I wasn't going to have it. And that's true. When we fill ourselves up with other stuff, there's no room for anything else to come in. And when we fill ourselves up with, this, with stuff in the world, it can deaden our thirst for God. But the amazing thing is, when, when you fast, your physical hunger is matched by a renewed hunger in your soul and spirit for God. I don't know how it works, but it does. And if you've never tried it, try it. Give up watching a TV program, and instead of watching it, go and pray. And see what God will do. Give up on one meal a day. Say your evening meal. And instead of eating it, go and pray. And see what God will do. Fasting brings clarity to hearing God's voice. Uh, when we fast, the physical is suppressed. And after you get over your stomach crying out, Feed me, feed me, feed me. Which mine does. There is amazing clarity in the spiritual. I've always found uh, that when I fast, God answers. I remember 25 years ago in December. So the last December, 25 years ago, I was talking with Rosie Boom and Hamilton AOG. And um, <clears throat> I'd sold up my house and I was renting in Hamilton because I really believed that God was going to call me uh, to minister in a church outside of Hamilton. And I was talking to Rosie about it, and Rosie said, have you considered Fongaray? She said, they may be looking for a pastor soon. Well, not only had I not considered it, I'd never been to Fongaray. And so I sort of tucked that away in the back of my mind, but this Fongaray kept on coming, coming up. In February, which was 25 years ago, a couple of weeks ago, Okay, um, I had the offer of going and pastoring the Assemblies of God Church in Rotorua. 
<coughs> and <coughs> I liked Rotorua because um, I used to go trout fishing there a lot. <coughs> but I'd said to God that before I took on anything like that, I would go and fast and pray. Uh, I'd also been offered Raglan AOG and uh, Gary Levin's missionary in Chile had rung me up and uh, asked me if I would consider taking the Union Church in Vena del Mar in Chile. So I had all these things going on and I didn't know what to do. So our next door neighbour had a <coughs> batch in Fongamata. And so I went across to Fongamata mid-February, hot day, and I planned to spend three days over there fasting and praying and trying to hear what God was going to say. So I was praying and fasting, and any of you who have fasted will know that the first day of fasting is always the toughest on your body. It is hard. And I was blooming hungry. <clears throat> but it was also hot, and as I was praying, I did something that none of you ever do. I went to sleep. I know none of you have done that, but I did. All right? I was praying and praying and praying, and I just went to sleep. As soon as I went to sleep, I had a dream. I, I dreamt that my father was standing in front of the house that we were renting. And uh, Dad, bless his heart, was a skinny Australian. And he was real skinny and um, thinner than me. And, and I was really hungry. And in this dream, I looked at Dad, and, and I said, Dad, I said, you look exactly how I feel. <laughs> and then I woke up. And I said, sorry, Lord, and kept, kept praying. And I, I couldn't get this dream out of my mind. And I said, God, are you trying to say something to me? And, and immediately the Holy Spirit answered. And the Holy Spirit said, well, how do you feel? And I said, well, I, I feel like I should turn down Rotorua and these other opportunities and I should, I should wait and see if something comes up at Whangarei. And the Holy Spirit immediately spoke to me. Oh, I get, <coughs> I get choked up every time I think about it. Immediately he spoke to me. He said, I'm your heavenly father and I'm looking the way that you're feeling. I thought, wow, that was easy. <laughs> Packed up and went home. Uh, rang up the um, executive member um, for the Northland region and said, oh, Ken, look, this is, this is what's going on. He said, wow, he said, that's, that's good because he said, I was supposed to be going up in April um, to preach up in Whangarei. Why don't you go up in my place? I'd never been to Whangarei before, had no clue what was happening. Uh, so instead of Ken going to preach up here, we were in Boys High at that stage, I came up. And I always remember uh, your mum and dad welcoming us there and Dave Boyd was there and um, Dave Palmer was there on the board at that stage. And I came up and pre preached in April and um, two weeks later the, uh, the board called me and asked me if I'd come up and meet with them and then in August, 25 years ago, I came up. Fasting and praying was the reason was the answer to the call of God in my life. And I've always found that when I fast and pray, I hear the voice of God really, really clearly. In 2 Chronicles 20, um, we read of Judah uh, about to be attacked by the combined armies of the Moabites, the Amorites, and the Meunites. 
So the first thing that King Jehoshaphat does is that he calls the whole nation to fast and pray. And God answers their prayers, tells them exactly what to do, and the three armies are absolutely routed because of the power of God coming and answering the cry of God's people when they fasted and prayed. God answers prayers. God responded to the nation's fast. And fasting breaks chains of bondage and sets captives free and brings breakthrough to situations and circumstances. Fasting is an amazingly powerful spiritual weapon. We think it's all to do with the body. But it's actually releasing the spirit. 2 uh, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, just as the musicians come. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We've got to remember that. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. It says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. If you've got a stronghold in your life that needs to be demolished, start with prayer and fasting. Isaiah 58 verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? And by the way, uh, there's some really great books on fasting. Probably one of the um, historically fantastic ones would be God's Chosen Fast. Just Google it. God's Chosen Fast. uh, Based on Isaiah 58 verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice... And unite the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Jensen Franklin's got a good little book on fasting as well. In Matthew 17, Jesus, um, the New King James records Jesus telling the disciples that they could not cast a demon out of a boy with epilepsy because that demon only came out by prayer and fasting. If you need a breakthrough for yourself or for someone else, then prayer and fasting is a real key to breaking yokes of bondage. And I want to suggest to you that every one of us needs to go to another level in our relationship with God. Our church needs a breakthrough. The city needs a breakthrough. Our nation needs a breakthrough. When the children of Israel came to the promised land, They've been living in the wilderness for. They're having their meals provided. They'd got pretty comfortable. Twelve spies went out to see what it was like. Ten of them said, It's impossible. And those ten and their families ended up, and their tribes ended up dying in the wilderness. But there was two young men called Joshua and Caleb who stood up and said we can die here in the wilderness eating manna which God's provided or we can go right on in and take the promised land we need to rise up and take hold of the promised land that's what they said and the Bible records how the tribes of the ten spies They all died in the wilderness over the next 40 years. 
but Joshua and Caleb, they lived to go in and take hold of the promised land. I want to suggest to you this morning that there are promises in God which each and every one of us need to rise up and take hold of. There are promises that God's given you personally. There are promises that God's given you for your family. There are promises that God has given us for this church. There are promises that God has spoken over our city. He said that revival is coming to the north. But it's not just going to happen because the enemy is opposing these situations and circumstances. And we need to rise up and say, hey, we're going to take hold of what God has promised us. And we're going to fight. And the way that we fight is with prayer and fasting to see chains broken and people set free. You see, Whangarei doesn't need new programs. We need a move of God in response to the faith-filled prayer and fasting of God's people. Amen.